Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Generosity Freak Show where we're taking a 360-degree look at generosity, talking to all different types of people from the philanthropy, nonprofit, for-profit, startup spaces to see how we can grow generosity and giving. And today we're talking about a very important time as it relates to giving year-end or that time period basically now through the end of the year. And on today's episode to help discuss this topic, I am joined by John Powell, who is our Senior Director of Research here at Next After, and Tim Katuriak, who is our founder as well as the Chief Innovation Officer. In this episode, we talk about the role of Giving Tuesday, and we actually have a, a special clip that we'll, we'll share as well from a discussion I had with two data scientists at Classy and what some of their research and data shows. We talk about the value of a tax break or a tax receipt or a tax deduction, what that means. Uh, we talk about uh, Thanksgiving and how you can use that, what are some key messages, what's going on in terms of the motivation behind donors. And then there's some tips uh, throughout in terms of little things you can do to help make the most of your fundraising in this important, important season. There's also a little fun quiz where you get to learn a lot, maybe too much, uh, about John and Tim and their Thanksgiving traditions. So uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving week. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. I said, welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go. It's just another Freak Show, here we go. Gentlemen, thanks for joining today. Hey, Brady. Hey, Brady. All right. So we are here to talk about this wonderful season that we are entering into as we call it year-end. So, uh, Tim, why don't you just kind of define, like, what is year-end? What are we talking about when we talk about year-end? Well, it's the hap-hap-happiest giving season of the year, right? Um, I mean, I've seen some data published by other industry leaders that say that up to 31% of organizations' annual budgets are raised in the month of December. So if that's not enough to say that this is the giving season, I don't know what else is. And so it's the giving season. And I know, John, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is you did a bunch of research in kind of what our clients have done, what some of our experiments say. But you also did some kind of other industry research to see, like, why is this such an increased giving time? Why, why do people give so much this time of year? What are some of the like uh, other motivation factors that go into this, uh, this time of year? Well, <clears throat> a lot of people think that initially think when they think of year end, especially the month of December, they think of all those holidays that, that just happen to fall in there. And you, you pick your favorite one. You've got Christmas, you've got Hanukkah, you've got Kwanzaa, and even some people are like diehard, you know, winter solstice celebrants. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you – when you look at some of the, the Pew Research, um, did some studies on this, they found that you know more and more over the years, especially over the last 10 years, fewer people are actually celebrating these holidays religiously and more culturally. So they're kind of making up their own holiday. And, and, and it's no surprise, too, if you think about it, like when do all of the kind of reflective parties and the reflective awards and all of these things happen for organizations within organizations? It always happens in the month of December because of there's a new year and it's a brand new start and let's think about the past. And so naturally I think there's, there's something, there's something just going on. It, it, it triggers people's minds to be in that reflective mode. So um, you, you put all of those things together and what you have is, you know, one of the, 
it's like the Super Bowl month for all nonprofits. <laughs> yeah, and um, there was a there was a study done in that book, the psychology or the the science of giving that I always reference um, in a lot of our courses and stuff. But one of them was just if you ask people to sit and think about giving or how they use their time, it was kind of split. People are more generous with both their time and their giving. It's just people don't actually sit down and think about like how do I want to use my money or like why do I want to give. So to have that kind of forced upon you in this time of season to like reflect and think about, it actually increases, you know, generosity. It's why one of the strategies is like before you maybe ask for a donation, get someone to think about what's the legacy you want to leave or what is it that you want to do with your donation. You know, major gifts people do that all the time. And so that's happening right across Christmas and church events and community events as people are always kind of reflecting and helps create this, what'd you call it, the Super Bowl of giving? Yes, we'll call it the Super Bowl of giving. Who, who plays the halftime show of this uh, Super Bowl of giving in your mind, John? Well, that's got to be the nonprofit, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a competition, really, if you think about it. Um, retailers are, I mean, they've known this for years. Like, they, there's a reason why it was called Black Friday, right? Um, it was trying to refer to the idea that, and I may be wrong on this, but you're once you're going into the black, okay. In fact, my father runs a custom jewelry business. When he first started his business, when I was, you know, like a couple inches high, he, um, if he didn't have a good December, a good Christmas, so to say, as a custom jeweler, he his business wouldn't have made it. Like, um, and that's there are many there are a couple years where it was very much like that. Um, so uh, it's just. Again, it's 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 a competition between the retail. It's just everybody is in that state of mind. Retailers have the ability to let people be generous to you know friends and family because of the culture, because of the time of year. But not for profits have the same kind of opportunity, except the recipient isn't necessarily somebody on their friends and family list, but it's somebody that they care about, somebody that's important to them, somebody that um, you know or or values that they hold dear in their heart. So. Uh, those that's where the halftime show is played you know that's that's who has the opportunity to get in front and everybody's trying to get that spot especially in that person's mind tim do you think it's um do you think it's a bad thing that some organizations rely so heavily on the month of december or uh you know have that we got to have a great month otherwise we're sunk is that a good thing a bad thing a neutral thing what do you think I mean, I don't think it's a good or bad thing. I think it's just a reality. Um, you know, there is this natural deadline where, you know, there are certain tax benefits by giving your gifts before the, you know, December 31st deadline. Um, and I think that you can make the choice to ignore that, ignore the fact that this is, you know, the generosity season, this is the giving season, this is the uh, end of year, you know, tax benefit giving season. Um, and you do that at your own kind of peril. Um, so I think it's not a matter of you know, is this good or bad. I mean, uh, you know, it's just it is the reality mm. of our industry. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the tax break, this is one of the things that I know I got asked uh, every time I've talked about year end so far. I'm sure you did too, John. But what what role do you think the tax break or the tax incentive actually has on people's donations? And then follow up, does the change in the tax code, particularly in the U.S., and kind of doubling the standard deduction, what impact do you guys think that will have on this year end? Well, let's think about it for a minute. What percentage of people actually itemize? Okay, it, Up until this year, it was everybody that had a house, but still, like even so, like – it, it, it's it's one of those things where you know when you when you ask like a for profit consultant 
help a not-for-profit. They were like, tax deductible, tax deductible. But the truth is, is it's not really that big of a deal. In fact, we had a really interesting test. It's actually a Facebook ad test um, with a really, really large not-for-profit organization. And they had an ad. It was all about make your tax-deductible donation today. Okay. And, you know, then they compared it with another ad, which was make your year-end donation now, but it actually had a testimonial. You help, you know, kids like this. Um, and, you know, which one did better? Well, you help kids like this, eight, you know, 84.5% increase in clicks and interest. Okay. So I think it, it's, it's kind of like, um, it has a threshold. It's, it, it, it adds to the argument up to a point, but it can never outdo what stimulates generosity mm-hmm. in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Which is the realignment with the donor's values. It's connecting to those, you know, those deeper things of importance, Right. But I, I do feel like it still has a part to play, just like matches. I mean, my gosh, I mean, how many matches have I run into? Right. Um, in doing this research. But again, it's it's probably table stakes because at the end of the day, even if somebody doesn't itemize, even if um, they clearly can't, you know, itemize now, it's still a perception issue. They're like, it's a permission issue. Oh, yeah, I can I can write this off. But they're not thinking about doing their taxes the next day, right? They're like, okay, they're just pushing it off, pushing it off, right? So um, I, th- I think it plays part, but not as big of a part as we make it out to be. Well, and it, it provides a natural, specific, you know, very commonly understood deadline. And you know, we we know that deadline, um, you know, this sense of urgency is a very powerful factor that influences people to take action. So just the fact that there is this cutoff date, and again, maybe there's some sort of psychological you know, value to people saying, oh, yeah. And it also, by the way, kind of helps my taxes. In that way, it almost, it's it's almost as an incentive, uh, even one that maybe is rarely accessed. Right. Uh, to John's point about people don't really do, you know, itemized deductions on their tax returns, but there's this kind of psychological benefit. Well, oh, I like to help these people. And, uh, you know, uh, it's it's probably good for me from a tax standpoint. So, you know, why not? Right. So it's a, it's a little incentive that's introduced at the end. Right. Yeah, and I know in in Canada, for example, our tax law is a little different. Where um, we basically get like roughly forty four percent back for every donation we make, every dollar we make uh, over two hundred and fifty dollars. So it's not like a pretty high threshold that you have to meet. Otherwise, you get the standard deduction. And even in that setup, the number of Canadians that are actually claiming a tax deduction goes down every single year. It's hovering just barely above 20%. So I think people think that it's more valuable than it really is. And it is that I think it's that urgency deadline almost more than anything. You know, And it, again, it's this cocktail of mixed factors. Like there's a deadline. Oh, maybe I'll get a tax receipt even if they don't do it. <laughs> and I think on the nonprofit side, it's one of the few times where we can actually ask someone for money and have that be possibly positioned as a benefit to the donor, (laughs) you know, in terms of like us reminding you, oh, hey, if you want to get this in, you know, now's the time. It's like the only time you could ever possibly really use that. So you throw it all together and it makes, again, this kind of ripe last few days. Um, So we're we're actually going to talk specifically about kind of the last few days in December 31st here in a second. But before that, I want to talk about Giving Tuesday. And actually, uh, a few weeks ago, I sat down with a, a couple data scientists uh, at Classy, and we talked about a bunch of things in their study, but one of them in particular was about Giving Tuesday and what their data says. So we're actually going to throw to that uh, excerpt clip talking to Ben and Paige from Classy. So uh, check out that conversation, and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about Giving Tuesday and year end. 
you have a, a section in there on uh, Giving Tuesday, which kind of stood out. And uh, I've been in like conversations about the value of Giving Tuesday or not, and I've been labeled a skeptic. I'm not really a skeptic, but uh, anyways, I, I'm interested to talk a little bit about Giving Tuesday and what some of your your data shows, because uh, there was some neat stuff in there, kind of like the likelihood for someone to be activated, or you looked at the repeat rate of a fundraiser or a donor on Giving Tuesday. Can you talk a little bit more about what um, your data says about Giving Tuesday and those donors? Yeah, well, a, a couple things. One thing is that end of year and December 31st and Giving Tuesday, pretty clear that those are two very different donor pools. Hmm. Uh, actually, Giving Tuesday donors look a lot like your typical day of uh, so there's a lot of acquisition in typical day. There's a lot of acquisition during Giving Tuesday, but mm-hmm. your your staunch supporters are also coming back. So I think I think it's in some sense a mistake to associate them together just because they're in mm-hmm. the same time of year. Um, I think it's just a huge opportunity for both acquisition uh, as well as kind of retention and, and calls to action. And, and so you're, an, another thing you guys talk about is just just another opportunity to to make that call to action because people aren't, you know, leveraging that enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that's kind of the the one of the major takeaways for me. Um, and and there was something in there about like activation rate, like downstream. So kind of like you you didn't just look at Giving Tuesday itself, but actually yeah. what happens, you know, in the year after, or months after. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the ways that Giving Tuesday donors are different from. Uh, December 31st donors is they're, they're in there to participate more. So they're mm. more likely to become more fundraisers, more likely to give again at another time of year, not just giving Tuesday, right. Uh, but some other time engage in a, in another campaign. Um, and even, even over a typical donor, uh, and there, you know, plus all the social stuff that doing big social channels, uh, coming in as well. So just lots of ways to really re-engage those giving Tuesday donors, um, and yeah, just that opportunity for retention. Yeah, I think that's a neat way to think about it. It's kind of like the different donor types, which your data kind of pours out. So then it's not so much like December 31st, Giving Tuesday, which is one of the reasons why I got labeled a skeptic was just saying our client data that raises X number more on December 31st. And then when we look at the amount of time and attention in terms of content and resources focused on nonprofits, and then even just volume, the number of emails or marketing that nonprofits do, they don't do as much and there's not as much focus on a day that is like three times more valuable to our donors. So that's what we were just saying. It's not that Giving Tuesday is not valuable. It is. It's just that there was like a disproportionate amount of focus on it. And it should be both. It should be both and, not either or. It should be both. And I think think there's like – an exogenous source for the de- December 31st date, because, you know, we, I think we all know that a big piece of that is the change in the tax years, right? So people are, are going to do that. I think the focus on giving Tuesday and getting them activated for your cause, you know, it, it, uh, is a huge opportunity. It's uh, just an awakening for the space and reaching people that you might not have otherwise and that huge influx of people. Um, so yeah, I think that's why we focus on it is because it's, I think to the point of more actionable, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, 
I mean, I still think it, if we had a day of giving, we should have it in the spring, but that's fine. That's another conversation. Oh. No, no, uh, I, want, I want to make that this conversation. <laughs> I want to more about your, your spring idea for Giving Tuesday. Well, it's just it's preposterous uh, to me. But preposterous I mean, to you? But I want to give it a chance. Oh, well, I mean, that ship sailed. It's not going to happen. It was just like, <laughs> if you sat down and said, we want to create a day of giving to help all nonprofits, uh, I don't think you would put it in the most uh, valuable month where we have so many other things working for us like Thanksgiving, like tax, like uh, people feeling guilty, like our historical year-end patterns. Like December has always been a profitable month but before Giving Tuesday. But spring or some area where like we don't command market where we are weak is where we could use all this influx of time and attention. That's kind of – that's the point around spring, which we'll never find out, I don't think, at this point. So it's kind of a moot argument, but that's that's one idea. Uh, it, I love I love thinking about that stuff. I do I do appreciate the point of the guilt. I mean, that's the origins of Giving Tuesday, right? Is the you know Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and now you're going to feel guilty. So let's have a call <laughs> to action, make something happen, which is what, why it makes all the sense in the world to me. Meanwhile, in the spring, you're outside and you're just having fun or maybe you're hibernating still. I don't know. So interesting to hear the ideas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So and it'll be like a never ending debate because I don't know if we can ever solve it. All right. That was just an excerpt from a conversation I had with Ben and Paige from Classy. Uh, We'll be publishing that podcast uh, sometime soon so you can listen to the whole thing. We talk about recurring giving and one-time donors and fundraisers and other things that they found. But guys, Giving Tuesday, uh, it continually commands a lot of market attention in terms of content. And uh, a couple of things that I found interesting from the Classy side is they talked about the difference between kind of year-end donors and Giving Tuesday donors where it's actually a good acquisition day or the types of donors that give Giving Tuesday are more likely to kind of give year-round as opposed to maybe December 31st donors who kind of wait till the very end. So there's a couple interesting things in their data. But do you think Giving Tuesday is still a little bit kind of overblown in terms of its importance for nonprofits this time of year? So one one of the things that we've done as part of our year-end efforts, efforts and research, we have this thing called the aggregate donor inbox um, in which, you know, 150 to 200 some not-for-profit organizations we subscribe to, right? And we've given gifts to over the years as part of these mystery donor studies. We actually watch and see what they send um, for calendar year end. So that's November 15th all the way to December 31. And one of the interesting things that we found is that more and more, like just this last year, 29% more emails were received on Giving Tuesday than December 31. However... The average percent of additional revenue generated on 1231 compared to that day was about 790% more, right? So for it, it, you know, and again, we, we track, we track these different benchmarks. Uh, We've got, you know, a lot of access to a lot of Google analytics for some fairly large organizations, different types. And we, we kind of see this trend, but, but all in all, um, giving Tuesday is to me is it's, it's a trend and, and that would make sense. What classy is saying, right? I mean, it's, Maybe it's attracting a different type of group, but it, it certainly isn't going to overtake December 31 anytime soon. I don't, I don't believe so. In fact, when we compared our 2016 to 20, uh, 2017 data, we found that um, people gave less this last year on Giving Tuesday on average. So uh, 2016, it was 3.8% was the average share of calendar year in revenue. And in 2017, it was 2.9%. Compared to December 31, which is up in 16, 17%, and some people 
Uh, some organizations were even a lot higher than that. So yeah, and it's interesting. To, it's interesting to look at. Well, and I think the interesting thing here is no one's saying like one or the other, right, Tim? Like no one's saying don't do Giving Tuesday or you know do Giving Tuesday instead of December thirty first. Like, can't we incorporate both of them into these strategies and campaigns? Yeah, I, th- I think it really comes down to prioritization. So just um, knowing that there is significant greater volume of revenue raised on December 31st, I'd probably start by planning my December 31st strategy. And then I'd probably back up and, and plan my last week of the year strategy. And then I'd go back and, and start to you know plot out what my Giving Tuesday strategy is. I think one of the things that I've seen is that there's, uh, and you know, some of the data that we have in this aggregate donor inbox supports that, is that there's so much volume of activity happening on Giving Tuesday that I think some people are neglecting that, you know, last day of the year, which tends to raise a lot more money. What are some uh, of the ways that people can use Giving Tuesday, or maybe that we've used with some of our our clients, that isn't just making another, you know, ask or you know, what are some ways that people can kind of stand out or what are some creative ways people can use Giving Tuesday in their kind of year-end strategy or year-end campaign? Well, I know that we've tested some some different things. Uh, one is instead of asking people to give to us, um, we have chosen to give to the individual donors. So perhaps, uh, you know, saying, hey, we have this great year-end resource that we've developed, or we have this wonderful ebook, or just, you know, some sort of give back to the people on the other side of the screen. So I know we've tested that. I know in some cases, we've even tested a very, you know, counter intuitive message, which is, you know, don't give because it's Giving Tuesday, right? Um, Give because um, the opportunity to make a difference is, you know, significant. So, you know, not kind of like leaning into this whole thing that don't just give because everyone else is doing it, do it because you believe in the cause and the impact that your gift is going to have. Yeah, I like the the kind of give give to them whether it's a resource cuz you know, we've we've seen a lot how this um principle of reciprocity or principle of priming plays a a role later on. So when, you know, you send that more urgent email near the end of the month, you know, the the kind of gift that you've given and what they've already received or if you've given them an update or some content, you know, that can influence things later on. Isn't that what some of what, what we what we try to suggest in our kind of template or our guide for the year end, John, is kind of how to use different communication points that work together? Yes. So it, the way I like to think of Giving Tuesday the same way is similar to year end in that um, uh, year end, what am I saying? December 31, right? So you don't just send an email on December 31. You, you, you send emails prior to that. You kind of get people ready for it. Uh, you work them towards that. So even for something like Giving Tuesday, you can send an email. In fact, um, we had a, I was, I was teaching our year-end course live in a workshop setting just last week. And one of our attendees talked about how um, prior to Giving Tuesday or prior to that time, one of their largest giving days was the Saturday, like the, the Saturday or the Sunday, um, some of those days directly after Black Friday. Um, so why not start your giving Tuesday campaign then? Why not start priming them, giving them the reasons of why you should participate as what, what Tim is saying, you know, not just because everybody else, but this is why you give on giving Tuesday from the perspective of your organization and you give them an opportunity to give them. And then on the day itself, um, give them something back, not just movie tickets, but 
something that relates to what you do and what you're an expert at that is also relevant to them. We talk a little bit about that in the course as part of strategy. And of course, I'm not going to let the day finish without reminding folks who have not already given that they could, that they're, they could help reach that goal, um, that specific goal that we might have, that an organization might have for Giving Tuesday, and that they could still participate and be a part of this. Because so, if you have to think about it too, like, um, you know, some people may actually be talking about it, be like, hey, did you do the whole Giving Tuesday thing? Like, so, um, you know, it's a genuine, it's a genuine, hey, reminder, hey, just in case you were wanting to do this and you didn't have an opportunity because maybe you got the email while you were driving and you really shouldn't be reading emails while you're driving, <laughs> um, now you can donate. Um, you, you can donate before the deadline, before, you know, so it gets accounted to the campaign. Right. Cool. Well, so that was a little bit on on Giving Tuesday. Um, we're going to take a short break. You'll hear a little bit more about these courses that we're talking about, and then we'll come back, uh, take a little quiz with John and Tim about Thanksgiving and some holiday rules, and then we'll uh, wrap up with talking about December 31st. So first, a word from our sponsor. Hey everybody, Brady here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. Just wanted to make sure you knew about some free online training opportunities. If you go to courses.nextafter.com, you can see our free courses where you can learn about things like fundraising optimization, donation on landing pages, or Facebook advertising with more courses to come. Take them from your home or work or on vacation. Actually, don't take them on vacation. Just be on vacation. The point is you can take them wherever you want, whenever you want. They're based on all of our research studies and case studies, so things that are actually been proven to work. Anyways, if you're looking to go a little bit deeper on your online fundraising and digital marketing, feel free to check those out for free at courses.nextafter.com. Back to the show. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up talking about December 31st in a second, but I want to do a, a little Thanksgiving quiz uh, with y'all. We're about to go into Thanksgiving, and uh, I want to know a little bit more about what you guys do for Thanksgiving. So kind of rapid-fire quiz here. Uh, what is your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal, John? Um, gosh, well, we don't – I don't have like a traditional thing. Like I'm in a usually a house full of Filipinos – and we just have this big old potluck, you know what I mean? So it's it's just kind of the wild nature in front of it. Um, I grew up in that. I grew up in kind of a, you know, we all sit down, we're prim and proper. Can you please pass the potatoes? You know, and it's no, it's nothing like that. Um, it's it's not like that. So um, that's one of the, the best parts is just just kind of the free for all nature. In fact, in so much that, you know, whenever we bring dishes, I'm constantly helping my wife optimize dishes so that they get the mass uh, they get selected selected amongst all the other ones right so green bean casserole cut the green beans don't that's a tip don't just don't don't all the way through you know people have trouble pulling it out okay it looks messy and it gets all over them no cut the cut the green beans um you're going to increase their selection by probably 50 percent Okay, that was a an interesting answer, Tim. <laughs> something maybe more succinct. Favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? Mom's stuffing. She Oof. puts this sausage in, and if she does it just right, like the top part is all crusty, and the mm. bottom part's all soft and warm, with you know all kinds of butter soaked into those croutons. Mm, mm, mm. Great answer. Great answer. I'll, I'll go with mashed potatoes myself. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Get that little volcano, that little volcano action going. That's that's great. Um, okay, so besides eat, 
Tim, what else do you do on Thanksgiving? What else is kind of a Thanksgiving tradition for you and your family? Well, I mean, I guess the default answer is football. So everybody has to watch Classic. really, really crummy football games on television. <laughs> um, but I think, like for me, like I actually love to cook. So hmm. I love in the you know first part of the morning putting that turkey in the oven and the smell just wafting through the air. I love to baste. It's like such a weird thing, I know, but like just basting the turkey all day long is kind of like one of my favorite things to do. Really. I, I didn't yeah. peg you for a baster, so there uh, you go. Dude, I am I am the I'm the based master. I'm a master, a baster. That's amazing. Uh, John, uh, what's one of your favorite things uh, or traditions around Thanksgiving? Yeah, listening to the karaoke. It wouldn't be a Filipino party without karaoke. I'm just saying, like, and it can get pretty ugly. Uh, <laughs> you're like what are they do what are they doing like it's but it's it's just kind of fun you know what's your favorite karaoke song john I, i'm gonna turn this quiz on its head here and start asking questions you know i bowed out i you know i re, i retained my title okay over the years and i'm like it's islands in the streams isn't it it's no it's it's <laughs> no it's gonna be some kind of a you know sinatra song or something oh wow so oh, yeah, oh I you're know, a right but you you're know those get the higher scores on those but after John that, like, no more. I, don't make me do it man okay i mean okay. every day he's full of surprises <laughs> and then last question the great debate uh maybe you guys can help answer this when is it acceptable to put up your christmas lights the day after i mean that's everybody knows that brady <laughs> yeah <laughs> both yeah. agreed day, day after. after we have consensus day after okay Good to know. Good to know. Okay, so that was uh, Thanksgiving. We learned a lot about John and Tim there. Uh, I want to wrap up kind of going back to December 31st. We talked a little bit about some of you know the tax and uh, this kind of rich cocktail that leads to a lot of giving. What are some things that we've seen uh, organizations do to kind of highlight the last few days in kind of the urgency? Or what are some things that they can do to make the most of December 31st in particular? Well, I mean – we talked about it earlier, but urgency is super important. So just simple little tactical things of visually reminding the donor that the deadline is is approaching very rapidly. So one tactical way we do that is with countdown clocks on landing pages, putting countdown clocks in emails, just you know using uh, visual reminders of of the December thirty first rapidly approaching can certainly increase conversion and giving. Awesome. Anything else you want to add there, John, in terms of what you've you've seen or, or seen organizations do or some of our research that, that shows what should be done on December 31st? Yeah, in addition to what Tim was saying, um, keep it short. We, we tested a, a little bit slightly longer email, which goes into answering some of the value proposition questions. But then we tested a much shorter, like, quick fire summary, here's your link, go type email and actually it was the quick fire summary here's your link go email that beat out the longer one and this is unusual because during the rest of the year earlier in december um you're going to find the opposite to be true right longer emails tend to attract more donors the the donors that actually donate on the spot um but in this case in that last day the last two days no you need to be in activation mode so in addition to your countdown clocks your progress bars even a progress bar um, that's above 50%, that's close to the end. You want to keep it short, keep it sweet, keep it summary. Yeah, the the short, I think, plays into the idea of, you know, 
the work you do 364 days helps make the most of day 365. You know, if you haven't been sending stuff or making the case or having trust or having people bought in, then it's kind of – it's going to be tough for you. <laughs> but if you've done a good campaign or you've done good work all year long, then it's just kind of like, hey, now's the time, you know, make your gift. Whereas if you've just sent one email in the last three months, you're in a lot of – you know, you have to write this long email and you're – it's tough to persuade at that last, you know, final day of the year. So cool. Well, that's some a uh, little bit on December 31st. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation about year end. Any like parting uh, words of wisdom, whether it be fundraising or karaoke or Thanksgiving uh, for the audience here before they, they go away for their Thanksgiving break, John or Tim? Well, one thing I would just uh, add to the conversation, it's something we really didn't talk about, but I believe that year end really begins at Thanksgiving. And, you know, there's nothing more important that you can do than thank your donor and let them know that they are appreciated, that they are uh, being considered by you. And so, you know, start your year-end campaign by just letting your donor know how much you really appreciate their financial contribution and their partnership with you and your mission. Um, Right. I, I agree. In fact, when I was at the workshop, you know, after going through 6,000 some emails just from 2017's November, December, I, only, I, I picked out a couple that re- like, I didn't, I didn't believe that an organization could write an email in such a, I didn't know the organization, never heard of them before, but they actually nailed me. Um, and I almost like gave a gift right then and there, even after reading tons and tons of other ones. And I read it off to the group as part of the course, which is available online also. And they were like, it had the same exact effect on them. I was like, where's the donate button? They started laughing because it's true. Like, um, and the point was, is it was a testimonial. And the full, full focus of that email was to thank the donor. Um, first and foremost, to say, this is the effect that you are having. This testimonial belongs to you. So even if, you know, if you, you can say thank you, you can have a thank you email, you can do a thank you card or, or whatever, go a step farther or further further, go a step further and send them testimonial or something, help them to see the impact on the ground so that they can, again, really just get a tangible view of what their contribution looks like. Awesome. That's a great reminder. And uh, since we are heading into Thanksgiving, I just want to say thanks to you, uh, listener, for checking out this podcast. And uh, hopefully you found it useful. And uh, on behalf of everyone here at Next After, we wish you a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. And hopefully we'll see you back next week. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at next after. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. It- Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kuchuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. 
And we're clear. Good job, Brady. Good job, John. You guys are so smart. I can't believe you called me a master baiter, dude. <laughs> or master base. <laughs> I said I, I said that I um, am a based master, and then you t- turned my words around and basically turned it into like a PG-13 episode. 